Well, welcome again to uh, Wildwood. I'm glad that you're here today to honor God. Um, I appreciate those of you who are regularly a part of this church and those of you who are new with us today, and I pray that God will encourage your heart. Those of you who are online, thank you for joining us as well. And again, um, if you're brand new with us, if you've never been here, we'd love to connect with you, and so you can text that word welcome to the number on the screen, 636-206-8654, um, and just a great day of worship, and I appreciate you giving your heart to the Lord. Um, in spite of the country tone of all of our music today, I don't know if Phil had his cowboy boots on today or not, but it was excellent, and and. You all chose to honor God with your voices and with your singing, and so I appreciate that so very much. So where do you get your money advice from? Where do you get your money advice from? Because where you choose to get your money advice really does make a big difference. What do you recommend I do to stay out of debt? Um, don't buy anything. Where should I put my money so it'll grow? In like a baggie or like a money case? Um, in your pocket. If I put it in my pocket, it'll grow? Yeah. How does it grow in your pocket? Um, put some seeds in it and close it and then put some water on it and pay for it. What is financial freedom? freedom to like to like you can go swimming without telling the government donut day why why is financial freedom donut day so it's free donut day so it doesn't cost any money mm -hmm. so if we just could have free donuts all the time then we'd be good yeah what do you feel is the most important thing to do with your money uh save it why do you want to save it so then you can do more stuff. What stuff do you want to do with your money? Buy gum and buy a new toy. Move it! Why is budgeting so important? Because like when your body feels mad, like mad, super, super mad, feel you better. Why is it important to budget? Because it's so important when you budge. Like if you use a knife, you'll cut it off. Good point. Do you think I should invest my money in the stock market? No. Why not? Because then you won't have enough money to buy anything. Why should I invest in the stock market? Because it's so fun. What is the stock market? Grow stuff. So you could plant money there. And it grows? Yeah, in your pocket. So where you get your money advice really does matter, doesn't it? Um, so we started this series last week entitled Money Advice from Jesus. And, you know, for most people... You know, Jesus is like for the spiritual realm of things, not for, you know, the money. And so to turn to Jesus is one of those kind of strange ideas. And yet, as we've been going through the Gospel of Luke and reading through that all year long, one of the things you can't miss is that Jesus talks so much about 
our stuff, uh, money, or our attitude towards the things that we have in this life. And it's important for us to look at that. It's important for us to consider that. In fact, when it comes to studying about Jesus Christ, you know, our goal this year is we want to get to know him better. We want to end up this year knowing him better. And that's why we're digging in to the Gospel of Luke. But we learned some great advice from Jesus about money. So like last week, what we learned about Jesus is that, you know, if you look at your bank account or if you look at your portfolio or if you look at your title to your vehicle and you think that's all for you, you will never, ever enjoy it. Because God has some, something so much more in mind with what he has blessed us with than just for us to spend it on ourselves. Well, today we come to Luke chapter 21, and so I want to encourage you to take your Bible and turn to Luke chapter 21 for me. Um, those of you who are online, I hope you uh, have a Bible. There's a Bible tab there. Those of you here, there's Bibles in the seat in front of you, or take out your phone or your tablet to follow along. But it's, it's a controversial topic, at least for some church folk that we're going to talk about today, but especially the view of people on the outside for the church, because it's like the view is, well, you know, the church is always asking us for money, right? The church is always talking about money. And yet we come to the story of a lady who gave the smallest offering in history of all offerings in history. I mean, she gave an amount that was so insignificant as to not even really register. And yet, for some reason, Jesus chooses to honor this woman. He chooses to, to point her out in, in the face of others who gave so much more. And so today, the lesson is not just give a small offering and you'll make Jesus really happy. Today, the lesson really is about trust. You know, one of the ways to objectively measure our trust is what we choose to do with our stuff. At least that's what Jesus teaches us. So here's the key for today. Here's where we're going today. And that is trust is determined not by what we give, but by what we keep. Our trust in God is determined not by what we hand away, but what, by what we hold to ourselves. So I want to read from Luke chapter 21, uh, just the first four verses of this passage. Let me read this and then let's dig into this together. So Luke writes this, as Jesus looked up, he saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. Truly I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth. But she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. Now, I want to set this scene up for you here first, all right? Um, it's important you understand. So Jesus is nearing the end of his time on earth. Jesus is soon to be executed on the cross. He's now in Jerusalem. He's been traveling around, but now he's in Jerusalem. And he's doing a lot of teaching in the temple. So I've got a couple of images. So here's image number one of the greater temple area, just so you can kind of understand what's going on. This is a huge area. It's probably the size of about three to four football fields, all right? So kind of imagine that. There's this outer court, 
which is called the Gentiles' courtyard. In other words, people like you and I could have gone into the outer court, right? Because we're Gentiles. But right in the middle, that's actually the temple right there, okay? And so the next picture kind of zooms into that area to help us understand what's going on. You've got the Gentiles' courtyard, but when you step in through the gate beautiful, you come to what's called the women's courtyard. And that's where this scene happens today. The reason it was called the women's courtyard, because Jewish women could go into that. And we have a widow, and she happens to be a woman. She's a woman, right? That's why she can be in the woman's courtyard. I mean, you go on, there's the men's courtyard and the priest's courtyard, and then there's the holy place and the holy of holies. But you have to kind of picture this huge area where men and women are milling about. But then over on this side, what you have is 13 different, basically the Jewish history say they were trumpet-shaped, right? They were made of metal, and so it went down into kind of a box that went into a wall, a place of safekeeping, and there was no designated time in a service to give your offering. You could just go over there and do it, but you did it in front of everyone. You gave your offering in front of everyone. So this occurs in the court of the women, and so you think about that picture, everyone was seeing you give your offering. Now, we take a trip, now we didn't last year because of COVID, but we take a trip every year in the summertime to Panama to be able to go and help make a ministry to David's well, and we're going to plan on doing that again this year. You'll be hearing more about that. But one of the things, for those of you who've been to Panama and the church service there, is when you go there and they have a church service, when it comes time for the offering, you get up and everyone walks to the front and you put your offering in a big bowl with everybody watching it. Wouldn't that be a great idea? We could do that, right, all together? But here's Jesus watching the offering being given. Now that's important to understand and these dispensers and they were metal because one of the things that you could do is if you wanted to show that you'd given a lot of money that day, you get it all in coins and you go over to that trumpet-shaped thing and it makes all this noise as you drop it in there and everybody looks over like, wow, that person really gave a lot today. And it could be for show. Now, we need to back up a couple of verses because, you know, the context is important. So look back in verses 45 through 47 of chapter 20. Luke writes this, while all the people were listening, again, Jesus is teaching, he said to his disciples, beware of the teachers of the law. Okay, so that's the religious leaders, the religious bigwigs, the Pharisees. Beware of the teachers of the law. Notice this, they like to walk around in flowing robes and love to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and have the most important seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at banquets. In other words, they're there for the show. They want people to look at them and think, man, aren't they amazing? They were probably some of the ones who put in the loud offerings. But then verse 47, they devour widows' houses, and for a show make lengthy prayers, these men will be punished most severely. It's like the arrogance of these guys. But then notice that they used their position of influence to take advantage of the, the neediest, to take advantage of the most vulnerable, the widows. And Jesus is pointing them out for a reason. In fact, Luke goes on there in verse 
1 of chapter 21 when he says, as Jesus looked up. Jesus didn't just happen to look up, right? Jesus didn't happen to just say those words before this. But as Jesus looked up, he saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow. Maybe she was poor because she had been taken advantage of by the religious leaders. But he, she, he saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. Now, he shares with us there are two different kinds of givers here, right? you got the rich givers and you have the poor givers. doesn't mean that there weren't any in between, but in this particular setting, Jesus is calling attention to the two different types of givers. And so Jesus notices, right? Now, we have no clue whether she knew she was the, you know, kind of the subject of Jesus' discussion there. We don't know if the rich people even noticed that. But Jesus notices, and then he comments in verse 3. Truly I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. Now, obviously, Jesus is not good at math. I mean, it's obvious, right? There's no possible way that she put in more than all the others. What she put in is what is called a lepton. And so that would have been... If you could pick the smallest denomination that was available in whatever country you happen to be in, that's what the lepton was. I mean, she put two of those in. I mean, it wouldn't have even registered on the scale of what you might have made in a day. It was that tiny. That's what she put in there. It's like, wait a minute, Jesus, we cannot make the big givers unhappy in this story here, right? Because you can't pay the bills with two leptons. That's not possible to be able to do, right? In other words, we've got a budget that we have to meet, and we need these big givers there, so don't be making them unhappy, Jesus. And yet Jesus seems to do that very thing in his bad math skills. But does he have bad math skills? Or is it possible that in the economy of God, he sees things very differently than we do? In fact, that's indicated in the last comment he makes there, verse 4. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in all that she had to live on. Why does her insignificant offering? warrant such honor and attention from Jesus? Why does Jesus call out this particular woman's offering in this setting? And you look at, you, you compare them together. So he, he says there in verse 4, all these people gave their gifts out of their wealth. In other words, they didn't miss it. It wasn't a big dent in their, you know, money that they had available. In other words, compared to what they had left over. It didn't create a worry for them at all. But then he says in verse 4, but she out of her poverty. Now this is the third time in these four short verses that he's referred to her financial status. You know, he says in verse 3, she was a poor widow. In verse 4, this poor widow. And now out of her poverty. I mean, he is clearly indicating the financial status of this woman that she literally had nothing, and she was a widow, which in that culture in that day and age meant she had no other means possible to her to be able to have any kind of income coming in. And Jesus says she gave out of her poverty all that she had to live on. In other words, compared to what was remaining after she gave, 
Her gift was a very extravagant gift. So what does that act of this woman say about her faith and trust in God? Especially compared to the other people that gave that day. What is her act of giving compared to the way I put my trust in God say about me? What does her act of giving say about your trust and your faith in God? I know that's meddling a little bit. But as you look at this particular story, you cannot help that notice that God sees things differently than you and I tend to see things. God just doesn't see as we do. It's not the amount, it's the heart. God doesn't count. But in a sense, what does God do? God weighs the heart and the attitude that we have. And it's not really a story about giving, but it's a story about trust demonstrated by how we give and how we use the stuff that God has given to me and to you. So what do we learn from this particular widow? One time there was a widow, an old lady that was poor and didn't, and her husband died. It's called a widow. So everyone was paying their tithing. And there's all these other rich men. He looked very fancy putting lots and lots and lots of money in. But the rich man gave a lot of money, but he didn't give all of his money. And then the widow, she has a mite. She only had that one mite. A mite is lesser than a penny. It's teeny, 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 tiny. And it's like worth negative one. But she gives it to tithing, and now she has no money. So she basically gave up her money for the church. She gave everything she had. She knew that God could help her. And Jesus felt good about that. She was proud. He was proud of her. He said that he paid. she paid more with just one mite because she gave up everything because that one mite was everything to her. He wants to be like the widow and give everything. Jesus was teaching us about to give all we had to him. So what do we, what do we learn from this lady? You know, I mean, this is a challenging kind of a story. It's been misused in a lot of ways through the years. And yet, here we have Jesus using this particular widow. The story and the lesson of the story is not, you know, give everything you have away to Jesus Christ. But let me give you two different things that I think we need to know. Number one, giving to God deserves our priority. Giving to God deserves our priority. I think that there's, when she put that money in, she had to know that this was nothing compared to what everybody else was giving. I mean, she had to know that. I mean, she had to be thinking to herself, you know what, this is absolutely nothing. And yet she still gives that. Why, why would she still do that? I think it's because she recognized her giving was not about what other people were giving, but what about, it's about what God called her to give at that particular moment. 
And I think one of the most important lessons we can learn is quit comparing ourselves to what other people do and give. I mean, it, it, it's irrelevant because God's not comparing you or me. He's not comparing my giving to your giving. He's comparing my giving to who I am and what he's blessed me with and what I happen to have left over. You know, we all wrestle with that at some time. You know, it's like, ah, you know, I mean, I give so little, it really is not going to make that much of a difference. That's irrelevant because it's about what God has called each one of us to give. Jesus knows. I mean, Jesus didn't have to sit there and watch what they were giving to know what they were giving, right? Jesus doesn't have to be in the room where you put money in the offering box or where you click the button on your computer or where you get that set up. He, he doesn't have to be there to know what we give. Jesus knows. Now, I don't know. I know that there are some preachers, some pastors that like to know what everybody in their church family gives. I don't have any idea what anybody else gives. The only thing I know is this. If you want to be in a significant role of leadership, you know, on staff or if you want to be a an elder here or a key leader, then the expectation is that you give 10% or more of your income to this church. My wife and I, we give 10% or more of our income to this church. We have other monies that we give elsewhere, but that's all that I know. And yet, if you are so concerned about the comparison to what other people give, you don't have a giving issue, you have a, a trust issue, Right? It needs to be a priority, this idea of giving back to God. That's what it was for this particular lady. It was a priority to her. Lesson number two is no one is too poor to give. I mean, nobody is too poor to give because the issue isn't the amount. The issue is the participation. I mean, it's all about my following what God's called upon me to do. It's not the amount, but it's that I participate in what? It's an act of trust when I give something back to God. When I say, God, you know what? This is what I know you're calling upon me to do. And it's not the amount, but it's the trust. And she demonstrated her trust in God by doing that. And you know what? That's what trust is. Trust is a step of faith into a little bit of the unknown. That's exactly what it is. I mean, in marriage... Trust is stepping into treating this person the way God wants you to treat them, whether you think they deserve it or whether you feel like treating them that way. But you step into trust because that's what God's asking you to do in the business world. You step into acting in a way that God honors, not in the way that's expected of you in your particular business, right? Because you're putting your trust in God. In relationships, trust is offering forgiveness to someone even when you don't feel like that, because you know that's stepping into trust because that's what God has asked you and I to do. Trust is a step of faith in all areas. And so you could actually take that phrase, no one is too poor to give, and replace all kinds of words for that, right? You know, no one is too busy to give God their time because God should be the priority. I mean, there's so many different things that we could put in there. But I also have to say this about the story. There's a part of me that wants to say to this woman, you, you don't need to do that. You know what? It, you're okay. God doesn't expect you to do that because you hardly have anything at all. And there's some people that I've wrestled with that who give to the church, and I know how little they happen to have to, to live on. And there's a part of me that wants to say, oh, no, you don't need to do that. God will understand, right? 
And yet when I offer that, if I would, that kind of advice to somebody like that, what am I doing? I am robbing them of the opportunity of the blessings that come when we put our trust in God. And I, that, that would be wrong of me. Here's Jesus literally in her presence sitting there watching, knowing exactly what she's doing. And did Jesus stop her and tell her not to do that? No. What does Jesus do? He commends her. He honors her. We know about what she did because Jesus was right there. And so today, I want to challenge you, whatever it happens to look like for you, to take a huge step of faith in the area of your stuff. I don't know what that might look like for you. But you you and I, we need to wrestle with what does that look like for us? With our stuff, the things that I have. Is it starting to give? It may be for some of you. Is it looking at and comparing not to what other people give, but what I have left over after I give something um, to the Lord? it's, It's... we need to take a big step of trust in God. And maybe for you it's not in the area of giving. Maybe you've already trusted God in that. Maybe for you it's in the area of your time or how you serve God or the kind of witness you are where you happen to live. But the challenge from this widow is to take a huge step of faith and trust in God. And the reason why Jesus wasn't worried about this widow is because he knew his father and how much his father loved him and would take care of that woman and would meet whatever needs she happened to have at that particular moment. Don't determine your giving on the amount. Determine your giving on your trust in God. Trust is determined not by what we give, but it's determined by what we keep. Let's pray together. Lord God, I thank you for the way you have been so faithful to us. Lord, I love the words of that song we sang earlier. You are a faithful God. You are always true. And I can look back in so many circumstances in my life and know you always come through, Lord. And I pray today that the example of this woman of such faith would stir our hearts, Lord, to see and to reflect and to realize an area that we need to take a step of faith and trust in you, knowing, Lord, that whatever step we take towards you is always a step that you bless, that causes you to smile, Father, in which you're so grateful for us showing greater trust in you. And so, Lord, today, thank you for your faithfulness. Help us to follow you and trust. In your most precious name we pray, amen.